good works according, accordingly through faith in Jesus Christ. So the topic of faith and works is one that's going to demand much more attention than I can uh, give this morning. But we're going to try to do our best to dig deep and just look at what's the core underlining issue here this morning. So when we talk about faith and works, what that issue is, is identity. So as we get in, let's, let's start by looking at faith. <coughs> what does Paul say again here in our passage? I'll start at verse 8. He says, by grace you have been saved through faith. That's a statement of identity there. And Paul makes a similar statement in 1 Corinthians 6.20. And he's discussing sexual immorality with the church at, at Corinth. And he reminds them that their bodies are not theirs to do with what they would please. That they have a greater purpose. They're tools to do the work of the Father. And he states to them there, you are not your own. You were bought with a price. And here in Ephesians, all throughout this passage, Paul has strived to show us that the process of salvation has absolutely nothing to do with us. Absolutely nothing. Remember, remember verse 1 that we just read? It says, we were dead in our sins and transgressions. Folks, dead people can't do nothing. And that's why we get to verse 8, where Paul continues saying, for grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. Hear that again. This is not your own doing. In other words, you didn't do anything. It's the gift of God, not a result of works so that no one may boast. Our part in the process of salvation is faith. It's belief. But Paul's careful to point out here that not even faith is of ourselves, but rather it's a gift given to us. It takes the focus completely off of ourselves. We, we didn't even believe. God gifted us with the faith to believe. Well, how much richer salvation becomes when we begin to understand this. So let's move on to, to verse 10. It says, we are his worksmanship, <coughs> created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Warren Wearsby puts it like this. He says, We are not saved by faith plus works, but by a faith that works. What does that mean? It means that our works demonstrate our faith. James chapter 2 is usually the first place that people jump to when you start talking about this issue of faith and works. So let's jump over to that and see what he says. Look at James 2, starting in verse 14. <coughs> it says, What good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can that faith save him? If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of you says to them, Go in peace, be warmed and filled, without giving them the things needed for the body, what good is that? So also, faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. But someone will say, you have faith, and I have works. Show me your faith apart from your works, and I will show you my faith by my works. Obviously, we can, we can dig a lot into that, you know, really take it apart. And he goes even further in that passage. But ultimately, what James is saying here is that our doing should come from our being. In the end, you do who you are. <coughs> 
If you make faith or works the means by which you're saved, or rather the tangible thing that you did to gain salvation, then you're missing the point. Because both faith and works are gifts from God given to us. If you're doing good works, but you've not been recreated by God, the Father through salvation, then your works are in vain. And likewise, if you claim to have faith, but you haven't truly been recreated by God, then you won't have the Holy Spirit-motivated desire for good works. So friends, what are these good works that are awaiting those of us who've been saved? (coughs) Simply put, it's to give God glory in all that we do and seek to make disciples of Jesus. Throughout the rest of Ephesians, Paul expounds on what he means by this. Um, let's jump over to Ephesians chapter 4, look at verse 20. He says, But this is not the way you learned from Christ, assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him, as the truth is in Jesus, to put off your old self, which belongs to the former manner of life, and is corrupt through deceitful desires and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds, and to put on the new self created in the likeness of God in a true righteousness and holiness. There's that idea of recreation again. We're not our own. God's done something to us. He's made us something new. He's given us a new identity, and out of that identity comes everything else. So he reminds the Ephesians again that those who are in Christ have been recreated. given a new identity he then continues for the rest of the book which we're going to walk through you know as we get there he's giving examples of husbands and wives children servants he even mentions thieves of how they're to live in light of the new identity that God is giving them performing good works that have already been prepared for them by glorifying God and making disciples again we'll we'll look at that as we get there um, in this series So, works aren't anything new, though. Paul reminded us of that in in verse 2, right? We were walking in works of darkness before we were saved. The problem with works is that they're the only thing that makes sense to us. It's kind of like that Rihanna song that's popular right now. You know, the only lyric you can understand is work, right? That's that's, kind of how it is. We, We understand our works. We understand the things that we do. And that's what we get our identity out of. Because they're tangible. We could say, oh, I've done such and such, or I've accomplished such and such, and, and I've physically said something, or I physically did something, and it, and it garners in us some sense of, of achievement, some sense of satisfaction, and thus we allow that doing to inform our being, to, to make ourselves say, oh, this is who I am out of that. I've, I've done it, right? I grew up as a, a child here um, in, in the Bible Belt of North Carolina, you know, in, in the mentality of the American dream, thinking that if I grew up and I worked hard, I, c- I could become anything that I wanted to be, and then that, that work would establish my self-identity, right? If I work really hard and become a doctor, you know, I can identify myself as, as someone who helps people get well. You know, I'm someone that, that heals people, not truly recognizing that, my being comes from God, and it's only from and through him that the people are healed. I actually have nothing to do with it. I transitioned from that 
way of, of thinking about works to what we call works righteousness. And, and I grew up in the Bible, but as I said, and, and around high school, I became fully aware of the sins and transgressions that Paul talked about in verse 2. And began walking in light of that, seeking to, to work off my sin in a way to appease God and, and, and obtain salvation. And I had this mentality that if I would go to church, you know, every time the doors were open, if I would read my Bible, and if I would pray, and if I would go to church camp, you know, and I even took it as far as if I'll go to Bible college and seek to become a youth minister, then at some point in that pursuit, God will forgive me and God will save me because of the things that I've done. And again, my world was rocked when I came to fully understand the, the depths of the gospel, and I'm still trying to fully understand the depths of the gospel. But, but when you see that it's not about the things that you do, and it's not even about the belief that you have, it's about God working in and through you, then that changes everything, folks. And that's the, that's the true gospel. We, we can't work to obtain anything. We can't even believe to obtain anything, which is so mind-blowing. So we do such a good job, though, of, in America of form, informing our identity by, <coughs> by the works that we do, right? And it's not just about the works that we do, though. My wife and I, are, we're, like you said, we're getting ready to, to go to Japan. And Japan is, is, is a great nation of some of the hardest working people I know. I mean, there's two kinds of people. There's people that work hard and there's people that work harder. But they don't find their sense of identity out of the work they do. Instead, they find their sense of identity out of their being, right? See, like in America, we can work hard and we can obtain things. Like you can even come to this great nation and you can work hard and you can become an American yourself. Not so in Japan. In Japan, your being is rooted in thousands of years of history from these lineages that have come from these, these different families. And, and your being is found in, in the culture and the language that you speak. So even though a person like me might traverse to this nation you know, and learn the language you know, and begin to understand some of the culture, I would never be accepted as a Japanese because they don't see my being as that you know, from being born there. And then we can get way deeper with that. But that's the overall idea is that they find their, their being in that. And now, even in modern day Japan, uh, you'll talk to people and you'll bring up this idea to them. And, and I've had it done. You know, I, I've talked to people about, um, you know, religion and, and their beliefs, you know, and where they find their being. And, and they'll say, oh, that's not for me. You know, I'm, I'm not religious. I don't do these kind of things. But then the next week I see them at a temple saying a prayer and I say, well, what's the deal? You said you weren't, but you are, you know. And they're, oh, I'm just being Japanese, right? So they're finding their identity in who they are based on, you know, language, culture, religion, how they were raised as kids, you know. So for the Japanese, their identity is fully wrapped up in religion and culture. And if you dig down deep enough, you can get to it. And that's why as we go over there, the work of us is to call them to see that their identity is wrapped in one of creation. They worship the things that God created, language and culture, rather than worshiping him, the creator. So they find their identity in the things that were created rather than find their identity in creator God. And our work is to go over there and show them the beauty of that and the beauty of the gospel 
and that they don't need to worship and find their identity in things created, but rather in the one who created them. (coughs) So friends, don't make what you can do or what you hope to do to find who you are. Don't root your being in things created. Instead, see that through salvation, we've been recreated to work out of our being in and for the creator himself. Paul says it like this in Philippians 2.13. For it is God who works in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Jeff Vanderstelt is a guy that's done a fantastic job um, helping me walk through understanding this process of salvation and how it should inform our identity. And I think he does a really great job summing up here, um, talking about our identity in light of past, present, and future. And he often speaks of identity as who God is, what he's done, and then who we are and what we do in relation to that. And so he sums it up kind of this passage of Ephesians, talking about past, present, and future um, in relation to our, our sin like this. Look at the past. We have been saved from the penalty of sin. He says, God is Father. That's who he is. Jesus is beloved who lived a perfectly submitted life to the Father and died in our place to make us accepted and loved by the Father. We were children of wrath, but have been saved by grace through faith, and now we are beloved children of God. We are the family of God. We love one another as brothers and sisters. So through salvation, God has united us together. He's made us a family. So what does that mean now? It means present. We are being saved from the power of sin. God is spirit. The Holy Spirit anointed, filled, led, and empowered Jesus for his mission. We were powerless under sin, but we have been given the Holy Spirit to live a new life on mission. We are sent and empowered as missionaries. We are sent to show and tell about Jesus wherever we are. So now, together, as family, we go here to Jeff City, we go to Columbia, we go where God has us to preach and proclaim Jesus and the message of his cross. So what does that mean for us in the future to come? We will be saved from the presence of sin. God is Son, the Son is Supreme King over all creation who served us first to bring about the rule and the reign of God. We were slaves to sin and servants of the God of this world, and Jesus set us free to serve him and enjoy his reign forever. We are his servants. We serve others as we are served to bring the kingdom into the present. So now we serve because we know that we were served and that one day we will serve the King of kings and the Lord of lords. So friends, my call and challenge to you today is to see yourselves no longer as children of wrath, but as children of God. To understand that, as Paul walks us to here in this passage, that we're saved by God's work for God's work. That's that's Ephesians 2.10. And we exist to bring glory to God in all things. We talked about that all through Ephesians chapter 1. And we do that by making disciples who grow up in the Christ. 
and we live all of life in light of the gospel and make disciples who do the same. This is the great commission that Jesus gave us in, in Matthew 28, 19 and 20. Without salvation, <coughs> all that we have are works of darkness, right? And those works, they just lead to death. If our being informs our doing, and our being is founded in the creator, not the created things, then our doing will be one of gospel works. If we think like that, then the gospel makes sense to us. The notion that we, we do out of what we were created to do is, is a freeing one. And I don't know about you, but, but I can never live up to my own expectations and never live up to my works, right? I told you I, I tried to do that. I even tried to do it, you know, in a religious way, seeking to, to gain salvation through things that I did. And came up empty and dry and found that, you know, it just wasn't possible. And so I thank God that because of his grace freely given to me, you know, I don't have to. And friends, we, we can rejoice and we can, we can celebrate in this notion of the process of salvation, knowing that we already have a plan, we already have a purpose, everything's been laid out for us. So let's not work for gain, let's not work to, to obtain anything, to, to reach any sort of pinnacle point. Instead, let's, let's work out of what we were made to be. Let's see our identity and our being in the Creator. And let's do out of that. Let's pray. Father, thank you this morning for, um, for just who you are, God. <coughs> thank you that out of who you are, Lord, God, you, you've made us to be your servants, Lord. God, we thank you that um, we don't have to do, we don't have to work, God. Instead, that, that there's rest in you, Lord. There's rest in, in trusting, um, believing in you, God, because you, you've gifted us all things, Lord. You've given us grace and mercy, Father. You've justified us. through your, You've brought justification through your son, Jesus Christ, for us, Lord. And through that, God, we have hope. We have salvation, Lord. We're free from, from sin in the past. You're freeing us from sin now in the present, Lord, and you'll continue to free us from sin in the future, God. Lord, and you've, you've given us a calling. You've prepared us for a mission, Lord, and you're sending us out as a family on mission here in this city, Lord. And we thank you for that, Father. And we just pray this in your name. Amen.